Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus, and joining me now is Yahoo Finance columnist Rick Newman. He's here to discuss how Facebook, Google, and Twitter find themselves in regulators' crosshairs. Rick, it's great to have you on today. Great to be here. All right, so they're going to be going before uh, Congress to give testimony on November 1st because of revelations that these companies ran political ads paid for by Russian interests during last year's presidential election. What do you think we're going to find out? What do we expect to hear during that testimony? We're going to probably get new details about what was in those ads. We don't really know what the ads looked like. Uh, We may learn more about who those ads targeted. Uh, One of the reasons these ads did appear on Facebook and other social media sites is because of the ability these platforms have to target individuals based on a lot of particulars about each person. And they can even Uh, at this point, figure out what people's political leanings are, their political persuasions, where they may stand on various political issues. And that allows a a kind of micro-targeting, especially if you are trying to reach people who might be persuadable on an Mm -hmm. issue. Um, uh, So we know that um, just about every website out there that tries to sell something, whether it's a product, a candidate, or whatever, We know there are all kinds of tools for figuring out what was the last thing you bought on Amazon.com. I mean, that's sort of the rudimentary uh, part of uh, the the data revolution that we're in is tracking that kind of stuff about you. What we are learning is that these social media sites know a lot more about you. And it's not just stuff that you um, may have purchased. It's stuff that you might think um, or views you might have. And uh, to me, this this is really something new about how... Um, social media sites allow people to reach you. And and sort of get into your brain. Get into your brain, and there is a nefarious element here. I mean, I think we, I think we have to acknowledge that. And what will be interesting when we, uh, when we hear some of the executives from companies like Twitter and Facebook testify before Congress is whether they, they acknowledge that, that, yes, we recognize that um, people, uh, interest, foreign interests and others have exploited uh, the capabilities of these platforms and what we can offer in terms of advertising for reasons that uh, probably nobody thinks are particularly good. Um, well, just last year, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook had said, quote, it is absurd. He used that word, right. absurd, to think that anything on Facebook could influence the presidential election. I mean, he's eating crow now, right? He was wrong. And he has now acknowledged he was wrong. And we're, we have sort of been seeing uh, mea culpas by uh, Zuckerberg and also by Sheryl Sandberg, who's the chief operating officer of Facebook. She said recently, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, look, th- we know there have been things on our platform that shouldn't be there. Um, and the question we all have is, well, why are they there? <laughs> why can't you get rid of them? Um, and, and it's, wh- and it's why not is easy. That? Because the, the, basically the bad guys duped right. Facebook, Google, Twitter. What do they need to do other than make this a priority? Right. So th- this is also part of what we're learning about these social media accounts is that the Russians and others turned out to be very good at establishing imposter accounts, fake accounts, if you will, that made them look like somebody they were not. So um, they established these accounts that made them look like Amer- ordinary American people in many cases or American organizations. One of them took the name uh, on Facebook, Blacktivist, mm-hmm. which sort of mimicked uh, Black Lives Matter and actually um, – developed a bigger following than Black Lives Matter on Facebook with something like half a million followers. And it turns out this was a this was operated by Russians out of Russia. And um, what this group did was just sort of get people riled up. I mean, foment um, uh, anger about racial injustice. They, they may have been um, promoting real things that were happening, but in a kind of a 
sensationalist way or embellishing things that happened. I mean, I've looked at some of these sites, and what they do is sort of <laughs> scour local news for incidents that you can, um, you know, that might actually not be that uh, sensational on their face, but then they turn it into, can you believe that some teacher in some school did this to a white kid or a black kid? And they exaggerate a little bit, and then they just get people fired up. And they, uh, we're, we're, this is what we're learning about uh, the Russian role. It, this, I think it's fair to call it a disinformation campaign in the U.S. presidential elections last year, is that they it wasn't so much intended to overtly uh, favor President Trump, let's say, and, and campaign on his behalf, but it seems to have been uh, more intended to just um, divide, divide the people. country. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and get people fired up and arguing with each other and um, just create divisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, to some extent, it was clearly successful. Now, I know Yahoo Finance decided to investigate the role fake accounts played on Facebook by attempting to establish and then purchase accounts attributed to people who really do not exist. You tried to do this. I'm curious what your findings were. Yeah, this was my little project. Uh, It was quite interesting to me. So I tried to do two different things. First, I tried to establish fake accounts on my own, um, just in the most simplistic way you might do it. So I would uh, create a new email address, uh, come up with a fake name, and then, you know, that's what you need to establish a Facebook account is a name and an email address so that they send you, you know, the verification to your email, you click on it, and then the account is up and running. Um, I found that very hard to do because as I tried to sort of develop these accounts and uh, add some personal details to these fake people, um, Facebook kept catching me. Um, They kept noticing something that was off about these accounts. I suspect one of the things was that Facebook has a way of telling if the email address is brand new. I don't know that for a fact, but I think that might be a factor. So that if you are using an email address you created an hour ago, mm-hmm. and Facebook can tell that, that, that gives them a, a hint that, you know, this is maybe not a legitimate account. And I tried all different kinds of ways. I tried to get more clever. Uh, I actually bought prepaid cell phones <coughs> so that I could, um, so that I had a, a mobile phone number so they could send me verification that way, and I could prove who I was a real person. And um, in each case, they figured out something that was was not legit, and hmm. um, they suspended these accounts. Now, I, why these, were they able to suspend your fake account, but not the Russians' fake account? Uh, that's a, well, probably because I'm very simplistic. Uh, I'm not very sophisticated, and the Russians <laughs> you don't are. give yourself enough credit, right? <laughs> uh, well, for for one thing, they're clearly their security protocols have changed and gotten tougher um, since they figured out this is all going on. Um, but so I went to plan B uh, because I could not establish my own fake accounts. I went on the Internet and bought fake accounts. Um, and this is remarkably easy to do. You don't have to go to the deep web. You don't have to have any special technical knowledge at all. Uh, you can just do this with, uh, you know, a Chrome browser um, and, and you just card. type in a web address. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in two, I actually ended up buying 26 fake accounts from four different websites. Um, How much do they cost generally? Uh, in total, I spent about $105. You can get an account for as little as $1.50, a Facebook hmm. account. Um, in two cases, I had to pay with Bitcoin. Um, so I did open up a Bitcoin account, but that's just a matter of transferring a few bucks over from a bank account. Uh, in one case, I paid with a credit card. In another case, I paid with PayPal. And hmm. out of these 26 accounts, I got 14 up and running without any problem. <clears throat> um, the, uh, most of the ones I was not able to get up and running uh, were set up with a phone number that had been assigned now to a different account. So I actually emailed the provider of those of eight accounts that did not work, and I said, hey, my, my, the accounts I bought didn't work. 
and they sent me back eight more accounts within 24 hours, oh, <laughs> and six of those worked. So, uh, I th- so I think my hit rate with them ended up being uh, eight out of ten. So, wow. you know, that is really disturbing. So, so, yeah. so it seems as though if an account, if there's a fake account already existing, that's exactly they're right. almost grandfathered in. Is they what are, you're saying? That, well, they are hard. Those are called aged accounts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the older the account is, the more valuable it is on this gray market because it seems more legitimate if it goes back in time. And mm-hmm. it turns out there are people <clears throat> who have actually been establishing these accounts almost since Facebook came on the scene around 2005, 2006, um, for the purpose of using these in the future for for illicit purposes on Facebook. So they, these, these accounts have been established two, three, five, seven years ago. Um, populated a little bit. Some of them have have uh, Facebook friends. Most of them do not have Facebook friends. And then they went dormant, and now they're for sale. And so you, <laughs> so you can buy an account that somebody started in 2014, 2013, and use it for whatever you want. So now going forward, is this a real challenge for each of these companies? tech teams to come up with some sort of an algorithm where they're going to be red flagged and this doesn't happen again. Yes. And that's exactly what's going on right now. So I think uh, Facebook and Twitter in particular face a couple of important challenges uh, going forward. First of all, there's new legislation proposed in Congress that would um, regulate these companies in different ways. The most obvious thing that legislators are interested in is regulating political advertising on these platforms, which is not regulated at all right now, except you know, in the in the sense that it has to abide with U.S. law generally. Uh, traditional media um, has to abide by uh, stricter rules for political ads. A simple one is uh, political ads have to say who's paying for it, and we all know that you see it every time you see an ad for some candidate it says this ad was paid for by Clinton for president campaign or Trump for president um, or whatever whatever the committee is. Um, that is not required on social media right now. And honestly, it seems reasonable that it should be required. Um, <clears throat> so that You if must anybody... wonder why it just wasn't from the get-go. Whether they said they were social media platforms or news platforms, it just seems that it's in the public's best interest to let them know who's behind the ad. The reason it was not regulated from the get-go is because social media is relatively new. Um, and the, the laws we have don't say... Um, traditional media and all forms of media ever invented in the future have to abide by these rules. I mean, you really can't do that. So laws and regulations are just behind the uh, advent of technology at this point. You could argue they're way behind. Um, But, I mean, Facebook tries to say that it's not a news source, but it also tries to say it is a news source, (laughs) you know. Um, And let's face it, this is where a lot of people get information. And if anybody's running, uh, if anybody finds Facebook sufficiently... uh, useful that they're going to run political ads there. And both the Trump and the campaign, uh, Trump and Clinton campaigns did run ads on Facebook last year. And we just have to acknowledge it's the equivalent of traditional media, and it probably ought to be regulated the same way as TV, radio, newspapers are. So um, if the if Congress can actually get anything done, I, it's reasonable to assume that those laws that apply to traditional media will soon apply to social media. So that's the low-hanging fruit. But besides right. that, what else do you think might be in that proposal for legislation? The, I think the bigger question is, what do you do about all this fakery on social media? <clears throat> um, and the an- there's no obvious answer, um, because you sure as heck can't expect the government to um, regulate fake information, fake accounts, people who are not who they seem to be. I mean, this happens all over the place. I mean, you know, telemarketers call you up and say, 
Um, uh, you know, I have relatives in Nigeria who have a great business proposal, and if only you'll give me, you know, $5,000 right now. Uh, I mean, that's a scam, and, you know, laws that apply to scams apply to, um, you know, any law that applies elsewhere in the United States applies to social media. But there's all this wiggle room, and the question of fake news, and a lot of it isn't exactly fake, it's just exaggerated. Um, or uh, hyper sort of, you know, getting people hyped up and stuff like that. I, it's very hard to know, like, what do we do about that? I mean, one thing you can say is the best way to combat this is with highly educated users of these sites who are skeptical and they can sniff out I was just going fakery. to say, if nothing else, we've all learned as consumers of news that you can't believe everything you read well, and see. Well, some of us have. <laughs> but I think the history uh, that we're seeing, the recent history of what's been going on in these sites indicate that a lot of people have not. Um, and I think, you know, there are a lot of people who don't trust traditional media either. Um, and but it's a lot tougher to get your story on the radio in a newspaper or on the television news. Uh, right. But with social media, like you said, you open up this fake account and you're off to the races. Right. But at the same time, we have a president who is re uh, repeatedly calling the traditional media fake news. And a lot of people may not think that it's literally fake, but they do think it's slanted. Mm -hmm. They do think traditional media is slanted. Um, and given this, that level of cynicism um, and people also, you know, it's kind of human nature to believe what you want to believe. So these things all play so into... So it fits your narrative. Yeah, and that is why social media is turning out to be the perfect tool to manipulate people um, because... Some people, I, uh, I will have to be careful about how I say this, but it's almost as if some people don't mind being manipulated because it makes it easier easier for them to believe things they want to believe are true. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not assigning that to one side of the politi political spectrum or the other. I think that it's true uh, across the political spectrum, um, especially at the edges um, or where people are not sure what they think about an issue, persuadable people. Uh, social media allows persuadable people to be manipulated. Do you think one platform is is more susceptible to this kind of fake news than another? Is it easier to do this on Facebook than it is Google or Twitter? At the moment, um, there's a lot more fakery on Twitter than there is on Facebook. Um, and that's partly because of the nature of Twitter. Um, Twitter makes more of its data available to outside researchers, um, which allows them to analyze um, the, this, the degree of fakery on Twitter. And there is actually uh, uh, an interesting tool uh, that researchers at the University of Indiana, I believe, Indiana University set up called the Botometer, bot meter botometer. I think you can find it if you just do a web search for that. You put in a, um, you can put in a Twitter handle and it will give you an estimate of how real or fake that account is <clears throat> based on the data it's able to analyze from that account. And Twitter makes that data available. So Twitter has fewer safeguards in terms of um, catching people who set up fake accounts, but it makes more data available to the public to determine that. Facebook uh, has tougher protocols for um, ferreting out fake accounts, but it makes very little of its own data public, and researchers have simply not been able to analyze the incidence of fake accounts and fake users on Facebook. Um, even Facebook says we're not really sure. Well, that's scary. So do you think that this, if, if and when legislation comes down the pike, that we're just going to see that these companies are going to have to be more transparent, and not just when it comes to political ads? Yes, they are going to have to be more transparent, but I'm not sure that's going to solve the problem. 
Um, and part of what's going on here is a technology arms race, uh, similar to you know what we've seen elsewhere. Uh, so as Facebook and Twitter, and I think LinkedIn, we, we should probably include LinkedIn in this because there are certainly fake accounts on LinkedIn, and there have been instances of people uh, setting up fake accounts on LinkedIn, so, sometimes for uh, <clears throat> fairly innocuous reasons, um, just to sort of get details from other people's accounts they can sort of use to build fake accounts quickly. And sometimes it's been used for uh, for um, cyber espionage and things like that, um, trying to get into uh, the company computer systems of people who have LinkedIn accounts, that kind of thing. So LinkedIn is part of this too. Um, but you know, as we are uh, seeing Facebook and Twitter apply more technology to this, I think we're likely to see um, the hackers and the people who do this kind of stuff uh, applying better technology too and figuring out the systems uh, that Facebook and other sites use. I'll give you an example. So when I was buying my fake Facebook accounts on the internet, uh, two of the four sites I purchased accounts from actually gave tips in terms of how to use these purchased accounts most effectively so that they don't so that Facebook doesn't catch them. Oh my goodness. Uh, for example, I mean here's an example. Um, they warm up the account gradually. In other words, uh, once you sort of buy the account and log in and activate the account, don't just start doing all kinds of stuff right away. Do it, you know, um, find a few friends, um, maybe follow a couple of pages, make a couple of posts, but do it slowly and gradually do more and more, which for whatever reason is less likely to trigger the Facebook I guess security you're, you're mimicking a, a real person or the right. way a real person might use the account. At the end of the day, will all of this create an image problem for Facebook, for Twitter, to the extent that it will affect their user base and then affect their advertising dollars? Right. So what is the bo- what will the bottom line impact exactly. of all this be? I would argue that it already has <laughs> created an image problem for Twitter and Facebook for sure. I mean, we certainly have been hearing a lot about uh, fake accounts on both of these platforms this year that we weren't hearing before. Um, So the next question is, do the users care? And I'm sure uh, Facebook and Twitter are paying a lot of attention to that because if if this starts to feel like just a scammy experience... Where uh, people are manipulating you, as you said earlier. um, Where you're you're continually getting bombarded on Facebook, for example, with friend requests from people you don't know and might be fakes. Um, Once it begins to affect the user experience... Um, then I think it will become a real problem. Um, These companies are both, uh, these are two very different companies, by the way. Um, Twitter uh, is not growing very much, and it might actually, its its user base might actually be shrinking, and it's much, much smaller. That's a much smaller um, tool than what Facebook is for a lot of people. So Facebook is minting money. Um, They certainly have a lot of money to throw at this problem. They've got 2 billion users. I mean, what is that, 25% of the world's population or something like that? Um, And they're growing really fast, and they're cornering more uh, advertising dollars in uh, in the mobile world than anybody. They're neck and neck with Google, but those two companies are dominating uh, mobile advertising right now. So Facebook is in a very strong position, and I think they <clears throat> would be probably very wise if they have to give up a little bit of growth in order to aggressively s- stop scammers and Russians and all kinds of manipulative uh, people and organizations from abusing their site. 
um, they probably should. That would probably be a smart thing to do. The question is, you know, Facebook has high growth expectations among analysts, um, and I think that company is tr- is continually trying to determine the right balance between how strict to be in terms of the way users must behave, things they must do, in order to uh, be an active user, and continuing to get new users and keep their uh, user base growing. All right, Rick Newman, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Alexis. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcast.